All right, so, so some of, uh, of you just had really bad flashbacks as you, uh, as you heard that, um, but you didn't know, you know, last week it was dust in the wind and Kansas was channeling uh, Ecclesiastes, you didn't know Mick Jagger was also um, uh, channeling uh, Ecclesiastes with I can't get no satisfaction, and, and that is what the writer of Ecclesiastes is, is telling us as he's looking at the material, physical world primarily. He's saying that in and of itself does not satisfy. And, and you know, all truth is God's truth, even from the lips of Mick Jagger. All truth is God's truth. And, and so you always want to be listening. One of what my kids hate uh, uh, for me to do is when we're listening to music. And I'll say, what's the story in that song? Yeah, because sometimes the story is good. Other times it's not. So I make no claims for other Rolling Stones songs, except for uh, when, they, when, when they sing, you don't always get what you want. That's another wise truth. But as, you know, it's that law of diminishing returns. You know, the, 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 the second bite, the third bite, the fourth bite, the fifth bite, just don't bring the same pleasure and satisfaction as the first one. And, and what, what we'll see is from Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes means teacher. It's the Greek word uh, for, for teacher. And, and what we'll see in this is he is diligently searching for truth in the things of this world. And we started last week on this journey. Now we'll, we'll take the, the next step. But I want to remind you, just the, the very notion that satisfaction exists is, I believe, a testimony to the existence of God. Because where do you get the notion that life is supposed to be satisfying? Where, where does that come from? Except that there is truly satisfaction. There is one who satisfies. Where, where do we even get the notion that things are supposed to be just or good or fair? I mean, if we are just a collection of molecules that came together uh, at one time by chance and a lot of time, where's there a promise? That there's ever going to be satisfaction. I think the very cry from everyone that we should be satisfied, that we want to be satisfied, is an echo of heaven. And that, that, that sign, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says later, of eternity in our hearts. I mean, the very fact that he's crying out and that we cry out, what, what is the purpose of life? What, what is the, the meaning? of life is, I believe, a sign that God has put that desire and that interest, that pursuit within us. The, the real question for each of us is, are we, as Becky said, open to honest answers to our honest questions? Sometimes you've, you've heard, uh, you know, that we, we feel sometimes in church where you're not supposed to question God. 
You know, not, not, not supposed to ask those. You're supposed to nod your head, raise your hand, and say Jesus to the answer of every question. Yeah, that's not... God welcomes the questions. He welcomes the, the pain. He welcomes even the anger. He can handle it. As part of a diligent search for truth and meaning. But if we're honestly asking those questions and we're diligently searching for meaning, God welcomes that because that diligent search, as it is carried out honestly, I believe, always leads to God. Because He is truth. He is meaning. He is love. So we'll, we'll join then with the uh, uh, writer of Ecclesiastes and we will... See how he seeks satisfaction in a variety of ways and how he ultimately says he finds it. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, uh, thank you for the, the freedom that is ours in, in Christ. And we, we seek to come in surrendering all to you. Uh, surrendering our own preconceptions, uh, um, surrendering our own preferences, Surrendering our brokenness. Surrendering surrendering our our limited vantage point. Our our limited perspective that we might hear and receive from you. So speak to us in this time. And help us to hear and even apply what you say. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, starting with verse 12... Pick up where we left off last week, and we'll, um, it's on page 537 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen, or whatever else you might have with you with scriptures. Chapter 1, verse 12. I, the teacher, when king over Israel in Jerusalem, applied my mind to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to human beings to be busy with. I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun and see all is vanity and a chasing after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. Notice here, then just in his initial statement, that he's, he's talking about it. This is now going to be a, a, a diligent search. You know, verse 13, he's applying his mind. It's even more than his mind. It's really actually his whole self. It's, he's applying his passions to seek and to search out by, um, by wisdom all that is done. So, so, again, this search is a diligent search. It's not just a avocation. It's not just a, a question or two that's thrown. I wonder about this. This is about a passionate, diligent search that he's making and that we're called to make. And what he finds in this diligent search is that it's an unhappy business. You know, that As he looks at everything under the sun, it says all is vanity. So a, a couple things um, to, to note there. Uh, one is that phrase, um, everything under the sun. That's uh, what 
Um, that's his vantage point. That, that's where he's going to look at everything. Everything under heaven or under the sun. Which means he, he is looking at this totally from what we would call a materialist viewpoint. You know, that everything that is material, everything that he can see and everything he can hear, everything that he can touch or taste or you know, smell, it's, it's just in his purview and, and just in his, from his vantage. And, and he starts to, uh, and as he starts this and, and finishes and sharing what he's fi- found, he says, everything under the sun that I see, it's vanity. And the word vanity uh, is the, uh, translated elsewhere like vapor, you know, smoke, you know, that it's without substance, with, without meaning, futile. And it's important to recognize his vantage point and as to why that leads to things being meaningless. You, know, you might know some people who, um, you know, they've never left Cincinnati. You know, and there's a good population of them, um, you know, that you meet. You've never been outside of Cincinnati. No. So, so they think, you know, every city has a river that goes through it. And they think every city has hills around it and has a lot of greenery around it. And every city has a lot of gray above it. You know, that's just what they, they know. And, and they have no clue the varieties of chili that are in the world. <laughs> yeah, but if that's your only vantage point, then that's all that you see and know. You know, it's interesting, There's a, uh, the, the National Parks just did a big survey because they're trying to increase um, uh, their population that are visiting the, the, the parks. And a lot of people that live in urban areas never visited the parks. But when they filled out the surveys of how they liked the parks, they said they didn't like them. You know, they'd never been there. They didn't like them because they were unclean, they were unsafe, and there were bears and wolves and snakes. Even though they'd never been. But from their vantage, that's what they saw. So it's really important that we recognize the vantage point that Ecclesiastes is taking. That he's, he, at this point, has not engaged with the spiritual. Everything is the material. All right, well, he, he continues on, on his search, um, uh, verse 16. I said to myself, now that's another key phrase. Interesting, see how many times he says I. You know, he's just within his own head, within his own perceptions. I said to myself, he's not, again, not bringing in the spiritual, not really even bringing in the social. I said to myself, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my mind has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. So he wanted to know wisdom and he wanted to know the other side. He wanted to know stupidity, madness and folly. He wanted to know both. Knowledge and wisdom from this world. Again, from the, a worldly, material perspective. I receive that this also is but a chasing after wind. 
For in much wisdom is much vexation, and those who increase knowledge increase sorrow. Again, from that materialist perspective, the, the, the stuff of the world, basically, what he's saying here is ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. He's got a good point. Think about it. Now, I was, I was just up at the uh, University of Chicago uh, campus, the other UC. Uh, and Kathy and I went to visit Hannah, my oldest daughter, and she lives up there. And then on our way out, I said, hey, I want to stop by. I've never been to the campus. You know, beautiful, fascinating campus. Even though I found out later, and this might speak to ignorance is bliss, that one of the mottos that goes around about that UC is, this is where fun goes to die. And uh, I didn't see any bumper stickers on that. Um, but I did notice a marker there that it was at University of Chicago that the first man-made, self-sustaining nuclear chain reaction occurred. So the, the first man-made, self-sustaining nuclear chain reaction. Now, um, a couple things about that. One, at the time, this was in the 40s, this is part of the Manhattan Project and all that, nuclear bombs, atomic bombs, that kind of stuff. Well, this was happening in the second most populated city in the country at the time. Now, I'm not, ignorance is bliss on that, especially if you lived in Chicago or even Cincinnati. I mean, as far as nuclear explosions go, you know, we're not that far. But as I thought about that, you know, wow, I mean, that, the harnessing and accessing that power of nuclear fission... Yet also know how that power has destroyed many, many people. Whether in bombs or whether in accidents. It's, it's destroyed land. It's made uh, just acres and acres, miles of land fallow. Think about that. that okay. Other, other ways that we harness and create that kind of power and find it, have access to it. Even something as simple as gunpowder and lead. You know, in, in a day where all the major cities of the country have a higher murder rate than the year before, where it's going up in every major city. Now, don't get me wrong, violence has been here since the beginning. Murder has been here since Cain and Abel. Still, would it have been better if we'd never discovered those things? Another thing that I, that I think Ecclesiastes, the writer, was on something, and especially for our day in this celebrity culture. You know, where you, know, you, you put people in front of you, you know, and you put their face and their body, you make it look just right and perfect, and, and that's just, you know, and you like them and you follow, whether they're athletes, whether they're um, uh, artists, whether uh, they're uh, um, actors. Um. But, you know, I just want to keep it on the screen. I, I don't really want to know anymore. I don't want to know what goes on behind the screen. 
And for me, I mean, I have had my balloon deflated this week. And this, this dates me. This is, but, you know, I grew up with the Huxtables. And all that's happened with Bill Cosby in this last all it's been revealed from that. It's like, oh, ignorance is bliss. But ignorance is really blissful about me. Yeah, I, I think I'd like to just sort of keep me on the screen and not know what's behind the screen. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other as a couple of weeks ago. Because you know, I I have in daydreams and things like that delusions of grandeur. You know, where I'll get to be the hero in some disaster. And, and the Spirit of God revealed to me in the midst of that recently. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, do you realize in your little delusions of grandeur here where you get to be the hero, other people have to die or suffer so that you can look good. And I, I did the sad. I sort of laughed and then cried and said, oh, yeah, ignorance is bliss. Even as I get to know myself. It's got a point. So, he says, well, that didn't get anywhere. This knowledge and wisdom. So, let's try fun. Let's try pleasure. So, he picks up with chapter 2, verse 1. Again, I said to myself. Again, a common word there. Come now, I will make a test of pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But again, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? And then he goes on for a number of verses that I I won't read. You can read another time. Just speaking of the things that he was trying for pleasure. Whether it was his concubines and sex. Or whether it was wealth and money. Or whether it was power and, and fame. Whether it was all the things that he had accomplished and buildings that he had built. And he comes to the same conclusion that all of that seeking after pleasure is meaningless. It's worthless. You know, I'm sort of dating myself with these celebrity references, but another person that demonstrates that, 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 that humor, who's one of the most brilliant humorists, one of the funniest men I'd ever heard or, or seen, brilliant actor, you know, couldn't make himself laugh at the end. And Robin Williams, you know, for me, Mork and Mindy, uh, there's other, you might have other connections with him, but... He took his own life. When it comes to money, here's two words, or just two thoughts to you, two pieces of advice that are worldly wisdom that are good for anybody and everybody. First, don't play the lottery because you have a really, 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 really low chance of winning. Secondly, if you do play it, don't win it. Because if you win it, you have a real high chance of disaster. 
You've, there's all kinds of surveys that show lottery winners, people that have won over a million dollars, and by far the high, a high over half, 60-70% come back and say, you know, it'd be, my life would be better if I'd lost. I mean, there are horrific stories of death to them, of murder of others, of families being destroyed, of lives being destroyed over and over and over again because they won a million dollars or more. Writer of Ecclesiastes, he was on to something, huh? I mean, this, this pursuit of wealth, this is not the, the law of diminishing returns. And, and the fact that you're never there, as a buddy of mine says, around every curve is just another curve. So if you're living to get around this curve, you're just going to see another one. Along the lines of money, you, know, you ask a, another survey I read about millionaire, recent millionaires that they surveyed and said, all right, so how do you feel now that you made your million? You made, well, half of them said, oh, man, now what do I got to do to protect it? What do I got to do to keep it? And the other half were like, all right, well, what do I got to do to go get my second million? It's like, whoa. The writer of Ecclesiastes has a point. This is meaningless. It's just the gerbil wheel. And then he goes on about sex as well. And, you know, in our, our day and in their day as well, sex was seen as just physical. You know, it's just body parts and hormones. You know, so that's a lie of the world. And the, the results of the, the hookup culture and the preponderance of pornography all around us and the destruction that that has done in relationships today is astronomical. Any marriage counselor, psychiatrist, psychologist, they'll tell you that that culture, that hookup culture and the preponderance of pornography destroys relationships. It doesn't bring pleasure. It's not even meaningless. It's worse than meaningless. Diminishes relationships and satisfaction when we treat sex as just physical. Instead of understanding it as a gift from God to be enjoyed in a committed relationship till death do us part. Husband and wife. But that last phrase sort of is unfair. Because that's not what Ecclesiastes... He's not concerned as he's searching for the, the spiritual elements. For God's perspective. But that's where he ends up. As he's pursued knowledge, as he's pursued wisdom, as he's pursued pleasure from a human standpoint, he finds ultimately at the end they are meaningless. So verse 24 then of chapter 2. It's his conclusion. There is nothing better for mortals than to eat and drink and find enjoyment in their toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from Him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases Him, God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, He gives the work of gathering and heaping only to give one 
who pleases God. This also is vanity and a chasing after wind. At the conclusion of his search, what what he finds is the the answer, the, the meaning is found not in the creation, but in the Creator. The, the things of creation are good in their appropriate place, as received as a gift from the Creator, as enjoyed in relationship with the Creator. The things of creation make a terrible master, but an excellent servant. It's the Creator who is to be our master. To seek pleasure in the things of creation in and of themselves is that gerbil wheel that you never get it. But to seek the Creator is then to enjoy the things of creation. And that's the journey that our writer took. He found his meaning and purpose with the stuff of this world as he followed after the Creator. He had to change his perspective. He had to to change what he was looking, how, how he was viewing himself. Sort of like this. You know, this is a, like a little blanket of a community, actually, where uh, we first lived. First, first church that I served as a student in Oxford, Pennsylvania. I think it's on here somewhere. Maybe it's this side. No, this is a, that's a, but it's a little town in Oxford, Pennsylvania. But, you know, this... No, give you this. This is no Chamber of Commerce moment for Oxford, Pennsylvania. Um, but th- this is a uh, illustration of just a blanket like this, you know, tapestry kind of look, you know, that has, it sort of tells a story. Because this, this garment, this uh, blanket is made of, you know, millions and millions of fibers that make up millions of threads that when weaved together in a way of intelligence and from an outside source, tell a story, share some pictures. But if you, for example, let's just say you took, you know, this, this, this thread right here. It's right next to a ketchup stain where probably some, one of my kids dropped a french fry or something. But if you take this, this thread right here, you know, just this fiber right here. You know, what, what does that fiber see when he's looking around him from his own vantage point, his own perspective? He sees a bunch of other fibers that are sort of this sort of faded green. And he's got to wonder, this is meaningless. This this has no meaning for me to be in the midst of just a bunch of other green fibers. We're not saying or doing anything. But if you take the perspective from the outside and you take that sort of proverbial 10,000 foot view, then all of a sudden you see how a master artist, or probably this one, some machine, um, designed by a master artist, has put together 
a picture and a story. So you see how crucial it is when he turned from the perspective of everything under the sun to then look at the view of life from the one who created the sun. So one of my challenges for you this this week is to look at those last few verses again where he said, you know, what is good is for everyone to enjoy and receive what they have from God. To see the wisdom, knowledge, and joy that God has given. And to see that in your own life. Take Each day this, this week, take five minutes. Uh, five additional minutes from the time on your way out. You should receive just week two, just some other readings in Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. Just to help you continue to get familiar with that genre of literature in the scriptures. But also take that five minutes and at work, at home, in the midst of your, your toil of the day, whatever that might be. And ask God, what, what's my part in the tapestry here? You know, what's, what's my meaning? What's, what's the purpose that you have for me? Why have you placed me in the midst of this work of art? Help me see it from a different perspective than my own. And then listen. Listen for the ways that maybe you can find enjoyment from Him in the toil that He has for you. Seek to receive from Him and to recognize the, the mystery of how you are part of a work of art much larger than yourself. And celebrate even that faithfulness of God. Finding joy, wisdom, meaning in Him. Now, it may be that writing, reading through Ecclesiastes is just right. I said, I said this last week. You know, that this is just the right timing for you because you're wondering... What's your place? It may, may be that, yeah, that I've been, this has really been a struggle uh, for me lately. What is my meaning and purpose? may not be. Maybe you sort of checked in and out. Well, you, know, you can go back and listen to it um, later because it will come. Don't go looking for it. It will find you. But maybe it will be later on in life. Or it may be for another Maybe that you, there's a friend and you've been, you've been talking with and they've been searching for meaning and purpose and, and you can recognize them in this. And maybe this is an opportunity to say, hey, yeah, yeah the Bible says some stuff about this searching for meaning and, and being open to honest and searching and diligently searching for God, God's purpose for you. Maybe you can take out Ecclesiastes and read it with them as they're having the same questions and engaging in the same diligent search as Ecclesiastes. But no, their satisfaction that he finds and the true satisfaction that anyone will find is as we seek with our whole self after God. And as Jesus said, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these other things will flow to you. Our satisfaction 
is found in God and God alone. I want to invite you to to stand and read with me our closing verse uh, for this. It's Jeremiah um, chapter 17, starting with verse 5. And it, I think, sort of captures this, this notion of as we focus on the ways of the world, it leads um, to meaninglessness. As we focus on God, that leads to the fullness of life. Jeremiah 17. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And you may, you may be seated.